Good morning, Orlando. Monday morning at 6 o'clock. Hope you had a terrific weekend. Glad you're with us right now for our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a Florida man faces charges in Texas for a human smuggling tragedy. And charges may be pursued against those teens who recorded a man's drowning. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Scaramucci! I like this guy. What about you? Let's talk next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Monday morning at 6.01 on News Radio 1025. A truck driver from Clearwater is facing federal charges in San Antonio, Texas. Police say 60-year-old James Bradley Jr. was hauling a tractor-trailer used for human smuggling with no air conditioning. Nine people died, including two children, and about 30 others are being treated at hospitals. San Antonio Fire Chief Charles Hood says many of the survivors were near death. Our paramedics and firefighters found that each one of them had heart rates over about 130 uh, beats per minute, which, uh, again, they were very hot to the touch. They were discovered in a Walmart parking lot when a desperate man begged an employee for water. About half the survivors are in critical condition. Police are working to identify the victims and looking for more suspects. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Back here in the Sunshine State, a group of Central Florida teenagers may face charges for recording the dying moments of a disabled man while mocking and cursing him. The incident happened last week as Jamal Dunn was drowning in a pond in Cocoa. Investigators say Dunn called out for help repeatedly, but the five teenagers did nothing to assist him. Cocoa Police Chief Michael Cantaloupe said Friday he'll recommend the state attorney general charge the five boys, ages 14 to 16, with failing to report a death, which is a misdemeanor in Florida. Video posted on social media showed the man drowning while the teens could be heard laughing. We played the audio track of that last week at the end of the week, and um, and I was just so frustrated with the idea that these guys could walk scot-free. Now it looks like they found something to charge him. When here, misdemeanor sounds like a slap in the hand. This could be more serious for these kids, and we'll get into it specifically at 6.50 right here this morning, Deb. And I think part of the reason why they are facing charges is there's just so much outrage in the community and around the country that oh, yeah. how can these this kind of behavior not be punishable? It is a crime, you know, a crime against your conscience, if nothing else, but... I'm glad to see that the sheriff was able to find something that says, guys, you sh- you're far more responsible than what you think. It'll be up this, to the state attorney, though, to actually implement that. More yeah. coming up later in this hour. In other news, the White House says President Trump will deliver a statement on health care later today. Yesterday, the president offered a warning to members of his own party. On Twitter, he wrote that if Republicans don't repeal and replace Obamacare, quote, the repercussions will be far greater than any of them understand, end quote. The Senate GOP plan to repeal and replace the Obama-era health care law stalled when a group of Republican senators pledged to oppose it. The White House says Trump will be meeting today with victims of Obamacare before delivering his statement this afternoon at 3.15 p.m. Eastern Time. Jared Kushner meets with the Senate Intelligence Committee today. President Trump's son-in-law and top White House advisor will appear before the committee in a closed-door hearing. The members are looking into Russian meddling in the 2016 presidential election. Kushner is then scheduled to appear the following day, tomorrow, before the House Intelligence Committee. That committee's ranking member, Democrat Adam Schiff of California, told CBS's Face the Nation he wants to know more about Kushner's meeting last year with Donald Trump Jr. and several 
several Russians. And finally, HBO offers a look back at the life of Princess Diana from a unique perspective tonight through the eyes of her sons. Princes William and Harry share memories of their mother, and reviewers say the picture that emerges is very different from the larger-than-life Princess Diana who dominated popular media media in the days long before social media. She died on July 31st, 1997. Hard to believe we're coming up to the 20th anniversary of her death. William, who's now only one year younger than his mother was when she died at age 36, says he's sorry she never got to see his children. Harry talks about joining the Army so he could block out the world that seemed to want to own his mother. Diana, Our Mother, Her Life and Legacy airs tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on HBO. Still has such a hold on the imagination of people here and in the U.K. and in many countries around the world. I will bet you there's a huge audience for that tonight, even at 10 o'clock, don't you think? I do, I do, and I think we're going to be hearing a lot more Diana stories in the run-up to her uh, 20th anniversary of her death this, this coming weekend. right WFLA News Time 606. Read about a man suing after being denied a $5 million lottery payday. At 1025WFLA.com. Yeah, I would sue too, probably. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Coming to you from the Front Gate Realty Studio, visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com, the Deb Meister, the Bud Man, Yaffe at the Controls, our phone number 407 916 5400. If you want to reach us, and sound off on the topics of the morning on the 50,000-watt front porch. And our text line always open, never a busy signal. You can get in any time at 23680. Well, uh, later in this hour, I'm going to do something we seldom do. We're going to have a little movie review uh, segment here. I went to see Dunkirk, the World War II movie epic by Christopher Nolan, who did, among other things, you know, the, the Dark Knight Batman trilogy, etc. This thing has been hyped beyond all belief. And uh, I went with Alan Spector of our staff at WFLA, and we reached the same conclusion about this movie. And I talked with our news director, Larry Spillman, who saw it on his own, and he feels the same way about it. And I've got to share, well, we will share our thoughts on Dunkirk this morning. And if you saw this movie... I don't want to prejudice you right now, but I want you to be ready to call next half hour and tell me what you thought. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. But first, the new White House Communications Director, Anthony Scaramucci. I love the name. I like what I've seen in this guy. I want to see more of him. And boy, it looks to me like... Those leaking heads in the White House are about to roll. We're on the Scaramucci beat in a moment. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. And we'll have that, and we'll update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic as well in just two minutes for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I think it was time for Sean Spicer to go. I always thought he was in over his head, apparently behind the scenes. It is reported by those who seem to know that Spicer and Trump had just had enough of each other. Um, Now we now have a new uh, press secretary who was the backup to Spicer. That's Mike Huckabee's daughter, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Um, So she's the one, I guess, initially is going to be handling the briefings. But 
Friday, they announced and they brought out to the press briefing the new communications director in the White House, Anthony Scaramucci. And I got to tell you, he was there on the podium forever, and I thought he gave as good as he got, and he was slick as a whistle, and he was on the Sunday morning talk show. And I really like this guy. I would really rather see him every day than Sarah Huckabee Sanders, with all due respect. Okay? I mean, she's a good soldier and all of that. But this guy's a real slick pro. He is um, nicknamed the Mooch or Scar, Anthony Scaramucci. He's an entrepreneur, a financier, political figure, and successful author. And um, he's the new White House communications director, which is really interesting because back in 2008, he was raising money for Barack Obama. And he's pretty liberal on some social issues that flies in the face of what most Republicans stand for. Always been a strong gun control advocate, for example. Uh, He's pro-gay marriage, for another example. Um, It's interesting, in the the 2016 presidential campaign, initially he backed Scott Walker and Jeb Bush, but when Trump took them out along with everybody else, he hopped on the Trump train and backed the Trump campaign. Well, there's all of these tweets and all of these sound bites and videos of him trashing Trump when he was working for these other failed candidates. And people are saying, well, he's a hypocrite and all of this. How can you have Scaramucci out there being the Trump White House communications director? Um, let me tell you something about this. Here's how I would answer those critics in the anti-Trump media machine, the ATM machine. It's cranking big time over this Scaramucci thing. I remember when I was in the television news business. I was a news anchor in this town back in the 80s for Channel 9. I went away, came back a few years later, and I was a news anchor for Channel 6. When I worked at Channel 9, trust me, I had nothing good to say about Channel 6 or any of the competition internally or around town. And the same was true when I went to work for Channel 6. I had nothing good to say internally or externally about Channel 9. It is more of a corporate businessman's approach that Scaramucci and Trump have. It's not like the blind loyalty expected and demanded when you are a political party loyalist. Toe the party line no matter what or else. It's not that way. You can switch hats in the corporate world, and that's exactly the mentality that's at work that I think gives the ATM machine fits, but frankly doesn't really bother me very much. What do you think? 407-916-5400. By the way, today could be quite a day in and around the White House Communications Office In a moment, I will play for you a sound cut about what Scaramucci says he is going to do about the leakers in the White House. This is really good stuff, and I have no doubt he will do it. Scaramucci. Sounds like somebody, you know, who should have been in the Godfather movie. Can you hear Vito Corleone saying, Take Luca Brasi and Scaramucci down to the docks. Straighten this guy out. Make him an offer he can't refuse. Scaramucci. I like this guy. So do I, Don. So do I. What are your thoughts on Scaramucci and my commentary over his changing loyalties in recent years? Do you have a problem with him heading up the Trump communications office when he once raised money for Barack Obama and called Trump a hack? 
On the basis I explained to you, frankly, I do not. 407-916-5400 on Scaramucci. Text line 23680. So I'm really enjoying Scaramucci as the new White House Communications Director Friday at the press briefing. That's now going to be handled by Sarah Huckabee Sanders because Sean Spicer has resigned. Uh, I'd really rather see Scaramucci every afternoon or two than Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I mean, I think it's, you know, major leagues versus minor leagues. We'll have to see how that plays out. I wouldn't be surprised if she winds up, if he winds up handling more briefings than not. I think Trump really likes this guy. Um, and, and that's really all that matters at this point in the White House, isn't it? Uh, let's listen to Scaramucci. Um, <laughs> talking about what's going to happen with all the leakers in the White House, at least his part of it, the new White House Communications Director, Anthony Scaramucci, on the leakers. When they leak on his watch... They're going to get fired. I'm just going to make it very, very clear, okay? Tomorrow I'm going to have a staff meeting. It's going to be a very binary thing. I, I, I'm not going to make any prejudgments about anybody on that staff. If they want to stay on the staff... They're going to stop leaking. If the leaks continue, we are strong as our weakest link. Link, And I'll say it a little differently in a pun. We're as strong as our weakest leak. So if you guys want to keep right. leaking, why don't you guys all get together and make a decision as a team that you're going to stop leaking. Me, but if you're going to keep leaking, I'm going to fire everybody. That's Scaramucci on CBS's Face the Nation on Sunday morning. Did a whole bunch of this Sunday shows. He locked horns with anti-Trump. Um, machine CNN anchor Jake Tapper for a solid half an hour and gave Tapper fits. I thought it was great. It was it was the most entertaining thing I saw all weekend, except Jordan Spieth and that amazing back nine to lead him to victory in the British Open. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the Open Championship, the champion golfer of the year. Ah, that was great. Now, here's the deal. Um... Heads may roll today, and they should roll in the White House. Unfortunately, I'm not sure he can make them roll throughout the White House because I don't think the leaks are confined to the communications office. Um, Yaffe, your thoughts on Anthony Scaramucci? Um, I mean, I don't know a lot about him personally or his background except from what I've seen from media reports recently, so I can't make too many judgments. I will say this. The Trump presidency, the Trump White House, really did need a better communications director. Because their communication has not been the greatest. It's been one of the weakest links of his presidency, I think. So I think it was a really smart move to bring in someone to sort of put all organize that. And by the and way, together. by the way, the deal he struck with Trump is reportedly he reports directly to the president. He doesn't go through Bannon. He doesn't go through Priebus. He doesn't go through Huckabee Sanders. He can go right to the president. That theoretically should help. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it should be, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm sure Bannon and Priebus don't really like that all that much, but it's probably the smartest move at the moment. Big uh, tweet storms on Saturday and uh, Sunday um, from the president on on Sunday. A lot of truth to this one, I got to tell you, and I've said it before. I've never seen anything like the lack of support the Republican Party at the highest levels gives the president of the United States, you know, and, uh, and here is what he said on that score, tweeting, it is very sad that Republicans, even some that were carried over the line on my back, do very little to protect the president. And it is. And it is. Yeah, but is this really the smartest move to get him on board with him? I'm not really sure this is going to help. 
get Republicans on board with you if you're out tweeting and complaining about them. This kind of oh. alienates them even more. Well, that's an interesting point. You may well be right. Um, I mean, that that's kind of the one problem I have with that tweet. I mean, he goes on and complains about the Republicans aren't helping me. I mean, uh, is that really going to help? Well, I, I'm not sure. Well, one of the things that's hurting him right now, you know, and, and there's pretty much uniformity on the approval ratings of the president, whether you think they're justified or not. It has a lot to do with whether Congress will cooperate with you and fight for you. Um, or not when you're of the same party. He's in the 35 to 40 percent range, and he doesn't have the power and the clout that he would have if he were, you know, over 50. Part of that is because of the anti-Trump media machine. Part of that is because of the total obstruction of the Democrats on about anything he wants to do. Vice President Mike Pence, if you haven't seen it, go to foxnews.com, um, wrote a great piece on behalf of the president. It was amazing. Now, I'm your cynics might say the president made him do it, but I got to tell you, I don't think you could make Mike Pence do that. I think he's a very moral man. I think he's a very honest guy, saying, among other things, it is the greatest privilege of my life to serve as vice president to a president who is fighting every single day to restore an America of freedom, prosperity, and opportunity for all. It's an amazing piece, unlike any I've ever seen a vice president write on behalf of his president. It's really quite something. I have to say, I think Mike Pence is probably Trump's biggest asset. Right now, I hope he recognizes that. I'm worried he doesn't recognize Sessions as the asset that he is and needs. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't want to hear any negative negativity about Mike Pence. I haven't seen any from Trump. No, I haven't either. Ever, either. which uh, you know, well, Trump positive. You know. Yeah, Trump's not afraid to do stuff like that. So, I mean, that says a lot. I think. Here we go. And as we greet you from the front gate Realty Studio on a Monday morning, visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com. Deb, uh, you have the very latest on a Florida connection. To an absolutely horrible story out of Texas. Yeah, that's where federal authorities are filing charges against a Florida man in connection with the deaths of nine people, including two children who were found in a sweltering tractor trailer outside of San Antonio Walmart. Some identified themselves as Mexican nationals and police are calling it a human trafficking crime. Ray Saldana is a San Antonio City Council member. We've been a country for the last hundred years that immigrants see as a place for hope and, and prosperity and opportunity. Uh, we're going to continue to see this problem and people who take advantage of individuals through this human trafficking. 60-year-old James Bradley Jr. of Clearwater is in federal custody in San Antonio. Police say there may have been more than 100 people locked in the back of that truck and they didn't have any water or air conditioning. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. How low can Florida go? Well, the jobless rate is down again. June's unemployment rate is good news for the governor. Rick Scott has bragging rights because the jobless rate of 4.1% is lower than the national average. It's also the lowest rate in Florida in a decade. The state added almost 20,000 new jobs in June, almost 240,000 over the past year. Every metro area in the state has gained jobs, with Orlando, Tampa St. Pete, and Fort Lauderdale metros leading the way over the past year. There are still 419,000 names on the official unemployment list, but that's also a 10-year low. Rick Flagg, News Radio 1025 WFLA. And the unemployment rate is even lower here in Central Florida and stands at 3.8% in Orange County. In our 7 o'clock hour, I'll tell you, that's one of the biggest things Rick Scott has going for him if he wants to be the next senator from the state of Florida. Well, in the meantime, Bud, there's a new man in line to lead the effort to recruit business to the Sunshine State. Governor Rick Scott has named Pete Antonacci 
to become president and CEO of Enterprise Florida. Scott describes him as someone who can, quote, get deals done. For the past two years, Antonacci has been serving as executive director of the South Florida Water Management District. His appointment must still be approved by the Enterprise Florida Board of Directors, which is chaired by the governor and is going to be taking up that appointment today. And finally, panhandlers might have to change the way they operate after today. The Orlando City Council is expected to pass new panhandling laws that would go into effect immediately. The laws will make it illegal to collect money at red lights, but panhandling will be allowed at night and outside the spots panhandlers are currently confined to, those little blue boxes you Mm -hmm. see painted on the sidewalks downtown. Orlando Mayor Buddy Dyer has said the goals are to reduce aggressive panhandling and to ensure safety. You can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Let's bring her in right now after a nice weekend, we hope. Gina Cervetti in the Bloomberg Newsroom live from New York City. Good morning, Gina. Good morning. So you're checking the futures, busy week ahead. What do you know? Mm-hmm. Well, we have the stock futures a little on the negative side here, but this morning, after a little changed session this past Friday, but it was a positive week, and we'll see the S&P starting out today at 2473, the Dow at 21,580, the Nasdaq at 6385. We have the update on existing home sales today. Now, this week also brings a Fed interest rate decision. We get a look at second quarter economic growth, earnings from a lot of big tech companies, including Google's Alphabet, Amazon, Twitter, Facebook. We hear from McDonald's, General Motors, and Ford. Of course, investors are also keeping their eye on what's been happening in Washington. And the U.S. and the U.K. begin post-Brexit trade talks this week in Washington. And here locally, listen up if you work for Disney or know somebody who does. And a lot of those plus 70,000 workers at the Disney theme parks here locally work for minimum wage. Um, They're having conversations about raising the rate. What do you know on that score, Gina? Yeah, Disney's union workers in Florida are seeking to reopen wage talks so that the resort employees can negotiate pay raises from the current contract minimum of $10 an hour. The talks are scheduled to begin August 28th, according to the president of the Worker Service Trades Council Union. Now, Disney signed a -a five-and-a-half-year contract in 2014 It allowed workers to reopen the wage talks this year. The two sides have until October to reach an agreement on pay, or the union official says the entire contract could be reopened. But the talks come at a time when the company's biggest business, television, is coping with a loss of viewers, something that we've talked about here. Mm -hmm. And while Disney, and we've talked about this too, is in the middle of a big building boom, Disney, as you probably know, is Orlando's largest employer with some 74,000 workers. You just mentioned that. That represents about 40% of the company's total. And the union president says that the majority of Disney's union employees make less than $15 an hour. Okay, fair enough. We'll watch for it closely. Uh, Wells Fargo has been in all kinds of trouble. The embattled bank um, getting some scrutiny again this morning. What's going on there, Gina? Yeah, some attention that the bank definitely does not want. This comes after a lawyer's unauthorized release of sensitive client details for accounts belonging to wealthy customers of its brokerage unit. It was a bank lawyer. Uh, The recent data breach began with a financial spat between a pair of brothers, one current and one a former Wells Fargo employee. This comes 10 months after regulators disclosed that Wells Fargo employees had been opening potentially millions of retail accounts without customers' permission. So they certainly don't want this kind of attention at this point. It was a apparently an inadvertent release of, of this data. Uh-huh. Interesting there and important, too. Finally, Tesla does a great job with all electric 
car technology, the problem's always been the price tag. So few of us can afford a Tesla electric car. Looks like they may be trying to make them more affordable to more of us, right, Gina? That's right. This is a big test for the company. Can it appeal to the mass market? Can it get, if it does have a lot of orders for these cars, can it get them rolling off the assembly line fast enough to, to meet demand? It's the Model 3 Bud. It launches on Friday with a starting price of $35,000. Now, that's still a little pricey for a lot of people, I think, but... Uh, it is a, quote, more affordable vehicle than what we've seen from Tesla's other vehicles, the Model S and the Model X. The unveiling takes place Friday outside of Tesla's Fremont, California plant. So and a lot of attention will be on that. Absolutely. And 35000 may sound kind of pricey, but if you never have to put a drop of gas in it over time, that makes a difference, doesn't right. it? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Great talking with you, Gina. Gina Cervetti with the Daily Bloomberg Business Report. Count on it every morning at 635 Live from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. Catch you tomorrow, Gina. All right, bud. Thanks. Have a good one. Good deal. We're venturing where we seldom go here into the area of movie reviews. Went to see the World War II epic, so hyped, Dunkirk. And I went with a buddy of mine here from our team, Alan Spector. We both had the same reaction to it. And I'd like to know what you thought of Dunkirk if you saw it this weekend. Patriots, a lot of you were veterans. You might be drawn to a World War II epic like this. I'd like to know your take on Dunkirk. Give me a call right now. We'll put you on the 50,000-watt front porch as I review the movie. Um, 407-916-5400, text line 23680. You can text us on your take on, uh, on Dunkirk. What do you give it? One star, five stars, something in between. Talking the movie Dunkirk in a moment. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you. Updated in only two minutes in News Radio 1025 WFM. You see the movie Dunkirk, the World War II epic about the um, evacuation of more than 300,000 largely British, some French troops that were pinned in by the Nazis early in World War II, right on the edge of the water of the English Channel in Northern Europe. And, um, and it looked like they were all going to be massacred. And, and heroically, they managed to get more than 300,000 out of them. It's quite a story. It's an epic story, Dunkirk, and it uh, has been put on film right now, and it was getting some rave reviews, so I went to see it with my buddy in the newsroom, Alan Spector, who joins us right now. At the end of the movie, you and I did not talk through the movie. Yeah. I turned to you and I said, Alan, what did you think? And the first words out of your mouth were... I was bored. And I said, Alan, so was I. What was wrong with that movie? Uh, let me count the ways. Uh, it uh, had no character development. It was hard to tell, in fact, one character from another. The soldiers all kind of looked alike. And uh, as they cut from scene to scene, and I should preface this by saying I've been a fan of Christopher Nolan's movies for some time, especially right. the Dark Knight trilogy, right. the Batman movies. Christopher Nolan directed Dunkirk, so... I was anticipating something more than what I got. And uh, as it cut from scene to scene, I had difficulty following who was who, who was doing what, and also the British accents, which are a little bit difficult to understand to begin with right. at times, especially if they talk fast, uh, combined with a booming soundtrack of bombs right. going off. And music. The incessant Hans Zimmer musical score. Right. Uh, which uh, actually Nolan has been criticized for in the past in other movies. 
that was pounding away. Yeah. So all these competing sounds, along with the difficult-to-understand British accents, I could have used subtitles. Yeah, you know, me too. Here's the one biggest problem I had, and I don't know whether this was done by design or not, but at the beginning they just put up um, just words on the screen, and they refer to the enemy. Well, it's Hitler, Nazi Germany, you know, and, 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 and it's never said. No. You don't even know what war it is. I saw a nationally acclaimed critic raving about this movie, saying a new generation will come to understand what the Dunkirk drama and near disaster was all about um, and how they heroically managed with with a lot of help from private boaters, etc., to get these people off the beach before Hitler had them all just annihilated. Um, I don't see how it does that because they give you... They give nobody of the 21st century, no young people, any idea what this was really all about, when it happened, or who the heck the enemy was. There was no frame of reference. I felt like I learned really nothing new about this story. And uh, you mentioned the fact that uh, this is about 400,000 soldiers trapped on the beaches there by the English Channel, just a few miles across from their home in England. And you got no sense of the enormity of that amount of people, 400,000. You only saw isolated groups, so you got no feeling of that. And also the boats that were supposed to be coming over from England, Mm -hmm. they called on people who had pleasure boats, fishing boats, canoes, trawlers. Total desperation, all hands on deck. And for most of the movie, you saw one boat. Yeah. And then at the end, maybe a dozen. Yeah, and, 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 and the Nazis were strafing those beaches and wiping these guys out, okay? Uh, wave after wave. They had like about three Messerschmitts and a couple of Stukas, and that was it. You know, I mean, you can do stuff with CGI now. You could have really recreated what everybody knows Dunkirk to have been about, and it seemed pretty bare bones for a big-budget epic. And uh, you and I did not have a good time. <laughs> and I hate blowing out Saturday afternoon for a bad movie. Well, it was fun spending time with you. Well, but... I agree with that. You and I had a blast, but watching this movie, we d- I, I just thank you for coming in, Alan, because um, uh, I'll never forget you turning to me and I asking you what you thought, and you said I was bored and I had exactly the same feeling, but there was more to it than that. Interesting. So Dunkirk is out there, lots of hype, and uh, we just had to be honest about what we think. And we should say that our news director here, Larry Spillman, yeah. Uh, he independently had seen the movie and had the exact same reaction we did. Yeah, interesting. So um, there you are. Don't, uh, you know, don't blame us if you have a bad time at Dunkirk. <laughs> All right, thank you. Sure. All right, Alan. Um, it's a story that's been so deeply disturbing to me and I know to you. Yaffe, play a little bit of the audio from the smartphone video These punk teenagers, devoid of conscience, rolled off with the phone camera aimed at the middle of a retention pond and Jamal Dunn screaming for help as he was about to drown, which ultimately he did. We're not finna help your (laughs) You finna got it! Bro, drowning, what the heck? (laughs) Ain't nobody finna help you, you dumb You shouldn't have got in there. Can you even imagine with a smartphone in hand, you don't call 911 in that situation? Some of the kids, apparently, according to investigators, expressed no remorse after the fact when they were rounded up. A couple of them reportedly did express some connection to the reality of what they had allowed to happen. 
it was just incredible, wasn't it, to think that there would be no law on the books which would enable law enforcement to charge these guys with something. But there's no law on the Florida books. The Florida Good Samaritan laws are written to protect people who stop to help somebody in distress, injured in a car accident or something, and whatever reason they get sued later, they get protection. But there's no Good Samaritan laws like in the final episode ever of Seinfeld, and I played cuts from that last week when the main characters, Jerry George and uh, and Kramer and Elaine, were locked up for a year because a man was being robbed right in front of them. They were rolling video and did nothing to help him, and that was a violation of the new Latham, Massachusetts Good Samaritan law. You've seen it. They played that constantly in the Seinfeld repeats. But that is not how... Good Samaritan laws actually work in most of this country and not how they are penned on the books here in Florida. Now, though, now, though, the Cocoa Police Chief Michael Cantaloupe says he's going to recommend that State Attorney Phil Archer prosecute the teens under a statute that does exist in Florida law that requires a person with knowledge of a death to notify a medical examiner. And if you refuse to do that, you can be hit with a charge, a first-degree misdemeanor. Now, you may think that sounds like slapping the hand, bud man. No, it is not. A first-degree misdemeanor in Florida law is punishable up by up to one year in jail and a $1,000 fine. And um, as the chief said, you know, we're, 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 we're looking to charge them with something because can you only imagine if they have no accountability in the law for what they allowed to happen, what monsters they will become when they are fully grown. Yaffe, I hope they hit them with the maximum penalties under this, this statute requiring somebody with knowledge of, um, of a death to notify a medical examiner. Yeah, it's interesting. We we were trying to find something last week that we could hit them with, and we couldn't think of anything. So interesting that the, this came about. I just can't imagine being in that situation that these kids were in and reacting like they like they did. It was worse than just ignoring it. It was blatant. They were laughing at someone sure. dying. Yeah. I just can't believe that. Yeah. No. No. No respect for their fellow man. No. No. No respect for. Um, uh, and there and there was more than one of them there, and not one of them, no. you know, went to stand it, it up for this. It isn't guy. like you know you can't have the well. We we can't swim. Nothing we could have done. You got a smartphone. Call nine one one. You know they'll be there. And but in even all that's not an excuse because there you hear them laughing and making fun of the guy. Yeah, I know. That just makes it even. That just makes it even worse. Well, I'll tell you what. I was really glad to see that they've worked hard and they seem to have come up with something. I hope the state attorney files the charge, and I hope they don't wimp out on this. I hope they go all the way. And ultimately, perhaps for the good of these kids, might turn their lives around, or at least maybe a couple of them. Good morning, Orlando. Beautiful Monday morning, and we are glad you're with us here at the top of the 7 o'clock hour for our next check of Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a Florida man faces charges in a human smuggling tragedy, and Senator Marco Rubio is hard at work talking taxes in D.C. We'll have the details in one minute. Governor Rick Scott's been talking about becoming Senator Rick Scott. Would you vote for him for? Senator, my take in yours next on Good Morning Orlando. 
Good Monday morning. It's 7.04 on News Radio 1025. The man arrested in connection with a deadly human smuggling operation in Texas has been identified. The Department of Justice has identified the man as 60-year-old James Matthew Bradley Jr. of Clearwater, and he's facing federal and state charges. At least nine people died in a sweltering trailer of an 18-wheeler in San Antonio. Barbie Hurtado, who's with an immigrant and refugee rights group, spoke at a vigil for the victims last night in San Antonio. We hope and pray for the survivors to recover quickly and find peace, safety, and justice. Officials say 30 others were found alive and are in the hospital, some of whom are suffering brain damage and traumatic brain injuries, suffering from dehydration as well as heat stroke. All of those who died are males, with some of those believed to be children, at least two children. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Democrats are expected to release a new economic agenda later today. Appearing on ABC's This Week, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer says the agenda is focusing on working families. The Democratic senator from New York said the plan will give workers the tools they need to compete in the 21st century and work to correct a system that's rigged against them. According to Schumer, the economic agenda looks to create a federal $15 per hour minimum wage. Florida U.S. Senator Marco Rubio says working families could use some help, and he's hoping to give it to him. Back to schools around a few weeks from now, everybody's fretting, how am I going to go out there and afford to buy my kids the clothes they need mm. for the school year? We want them to keep more of their own money. We want to help working families who have been left behind by things going on over the last 20 right. years in our economy. The Republican has a plan that's part of tax reform legislation. The plan would be to get rid of the multitude of child tax credits available now and instead replace them with a single lump credit. He says that would offer a simple way for families to work out the budget. Speaking of back to school, Florida's back to school sales tax holiday is just a a little less than two weeks away. And this year, computers will be included. Parents also won't have to pay the sales tax on computer accessories, clothing, footwear, and certain school supplies costing $60 or less. The three-day event begins Friday morning, August 4th. Speaking of school, Orange County is looking for people who can uh, make sure kids get to school safely. With classes starting in less than a month, the county needs about 50 more school crossing guards. The county has even raised the pay to $12.50 an hour to attract more recruits, but a shortage still exists. Those interested should contact the sheriff's office. The man responsible for bringing film projects to Pinellas County is racking up quite the huge credit card bill. But hey, tourism officials aren't worried about the lack of projects to show for it. The head of Visit St. Petersburg Clearwater says while no projects have committed to film in Pinellas County, he's very pleased with the work of County Film Commissioner Tony Armour. However, Armour uh, reportedly has spent close to $400,000 of taxpayer money since taking office three years ago, or $11,000 a month. Tourism Development Council member Tom Boggett says that's not an appropriate amount, if it's uh, not an inappropriate amount, rather, if it leads to landing a large film project. And finally, a 10-year-old Florida boy is accused of stealing four cars in the last two months. Ten? Ten years old. Oh, my. Detectives got clues into his possible height because the driver's seat in each recovered vehicle was pushed all the way forward. (laughs) After his first brush with the law, the boy was forced to wear an ankle monitor at 10 years old. Yeah. But investigators say he cut it off on Tuesday and was found in another stolen vehicle Wednesday. 
so he's now in juvenile detention. I hope they can turn him around. You yeah. know, this is where the hardcore killers come from. Exactly, and I have to tell that young man, this is not what they call career development. No, it's not. Yeah. WFLA News Time 707. Read about the most stressed city in the U.S. at 1025WFLA.com. What do you think it would be, bud? Oh, gosh, I don't know. New York City. It's got to be, but that's too obvious. No, but you're close. You're close. Really? Am I geographically close? Geographically very close. Newark, New Jersey is considered the most stressed out city in the country. I'll be darned. Yeah. Well, it's like a smaller version of New York City, but it's uglier. That that might be part of the reason why they're so stressed out. You you wake up on them, you know. Slate gray skies forever. The place is just nasty looking. I can see. Yes. <laughs> Does Newark. that make sense to you? Yes. Newark, New Jersey. I'm stressed out even thinking back about my <laughs> memories of Newark when I grew up in New Jersey. Yes. Well, if you'd like to find out why <laughs> Newark was chosen and uh, you don't have Bud's perspective, you can read it at 1025WFLA.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Good afternoon, Mike. The Yaffe at the controls. Michael screening as we come to you from the front gate realty studio. Visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com. The case for Senator Rick Scott. Is he the one to take down the <laughs> unbeatable Democrat Bill Nelson? He's talking about running against Nelson in 2018. Let's talk about that potential race, and we will in a moment. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. will be updated for you in only two minutes. So stick around, if you will, here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So the latest morning consult poll on Governor Rick Scott, who won barely two terms as governor of the state, has him with a 52% approval rating, 37% disapproval, 15-point gaps, pretty good. Uh, Bill Nelson, uh, against whom he may run for Senate, Nelson will be going for his fourth term, actually outperformed Scott among respondents in the morning consult poll. Uh, Nelson, approval, 53%, disapproval, 25%. And um, there's a lot of talk that Rick Scott, who's term-limited out, will try to move on and become the next senator here. would be awesome for the Republicans to be able to have two Florida senators. That would be terrific. Now, Bill Nelson has been the lone, big-time, unbeatable Democrat. But I think Rick Scott's got a shot at him, even though he's among the most awkward speakers and debaters and least charismatic guys I know. Bill Nelson doesn't exactly light it up anymore. And Bill Nelson, with all due respect, is getting a little long in the tooth. If one of them wins, here will be their ages as they serve in the United States Senate. Nelson would take office at age 76 and still be a senator at 82. Rick Scott would be 66 and would serve until he was 72 for a first term. Now, there are others who might want to run in the Republican primary to take out Rick Scott if he decides to run, and most of the smart money says Rick Scott is politically ambitious and wants to take the next step and become senator. I don't see any of these guys with the name recognition and the money. Don't forget, Rick Scott did and will again if he has to um, fund a campaign from his personal fortune. 
Carlos Baruf. Um, he's a real estate developer. He ran for the uh, Rubio seat in, in 2016, got out when Rubio decided to get back in. Congressman Ron DeSantis out of the Jacksonville area, really like him a lot. We've had him on the show, um, but he doesn't have the statewide recognition that uh, Rick Scott has, certainly. David Jolly, the former uh, House member and candidate for U.S. Senate in 2016, also may run. Carlos Lopez Cantera, lieutenant governor, candidate for U.S. Senate in 2016. Tom Rooney, who's a member of the House. Um, and then again, there is Rick Scott. Let me tell you, if the unemployment rate continues rock bottom at 4.1% in Florida, like Deb was telling you this morning, it now is lowest in 10 years, and the job growth continues, um, 1.3 million new jobs reported under under uh, Scott's leadership, etc., people vote preeminently with their wallets. The economy's going good. It's the biggest ally an elected official has trying to get another term. I think, I think, given the age of Bill Nelson going for a fourth term, given the fact he may not get a lot of support for the Democrats because they're in total disarray nationally and they're absolutely wiped out and hamstrung with debt. And Rick Scott, you know, can just uh, write a check for whatever he wants to do. And I think I think Rick Scott's got a darn good shot at that Senate seat. And I want to know whether you agree with me that he is the one to try and unseat Bill Nelson. And if not, you tell me who you would like better, and I will definitely keep an open mind. Do you want Rick Scott to run for Senate? Do you think he can grab that Senate seat from the Democrats here in the state of Florida? Yes or no? 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Somebody called off air and said to Michael, our screener, well, hey, Budman, how come you're not talking about Adam Putnam there? Well, because we're talking about the Senate race, not the gubernatorial race. Adam Putnam is my odds-on favorite and the guy I really would love to be the governor to succeed Rick Scott in uh in 2018. Yes, We're talking, all right, class, pay attention yeah, here. I'm telling you right now, i got to give you points off, you know, but I do appreciate exactly. the fact that you're at least tuned in. Um, Rick Scott, how would I assess him as governor? Um, I put a value on, you know, the ability to really communicate well, and that's among his weakest suits, so maybe that makes me not really that enthusiastic about uh, Rick Scott. He's very, very awkward. He's evasive when he doesn't want to answer questions. He keeps on saying essentially the same thing, no matter what you ask him. That said, you know, he has been a tireless campaigner for jobs, jobs, jobs here in Florida, and the job growth has been tremendous. Uh, Some of that has just been going on around the country and is now accelerated under the Trump um, administration. Uh, But when you have unemployment rates down around 4%, like we do now, lowest in 10 years, you got to give some credit to whoever's at the helm creating an environment where where jobs, even though many of them are not great-paying jobs, um, are available and, and in growing numbers. I, I guess I would, uh, I don't know, maybe I'd give Governor Scott a B as governor? You know, he gets a lot of hate, but thinking back... What do you mean he gets really, a lot of hate? I, I it think just he, seems like a lot of people don't like him, but I don't really know why. He's rich. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people didn't <laughs> like him before he ran, but it just seems like a lot of people don't like him as governor, but I, I, I don't really understand... Why? I, I mean, for me, my criticism is he hasn't really been conservative enough. But most people that don't like him are just like Democrats who think he's, I don't know, too right wing. But I haven't really seen that. 
I also, you know, I have had a problem with him just wanting to give away all kinds of incentive money to lure, you know, companies here. I'm okay with that one. It's yeah. super high-end jobs, you know, really well-paying, and that's the way the game is played around the country. you got to get these companies here. You know, but when, it, when it's uh, – I'm glad that, for example, Teresa Jacobs didn't hand over any incentive money for Amazon to build that 800,000-square-foot uh, facility they're going to build here in the area. Most of those are low-end jobs in terms of the pay scale. Um, and I don't like the corporate welfare thing that he that he uh, pushes and promotes all yeah. the time. That unfortunately, bothers me. Unfortunately, that's a nationwide problem. Yeah. More than a Florida problem. Seems yeah. like a lot of governors are doing that. But, yeah, in terms of other than that, I mean, my biggest problem is he spends too much. He spent way too much money in terms of government money. The budgets have been huge, I like you pointed out. I, I agree with that. You cannot make the case that he is a fiscal conservative based on the fact that we have these bloated budgets that are record budgets, and then the legislature, supposedly full of conservatives, adds to the bloat yeah, exactly. with even bigger budgets. You know, So nobody's doing what they're supposed to do. They call themselves conservatives, but they certainly don't govern that way from a fiscal standpoint. Check that uh, text line you've got your eye on right now at 23680, Mike. Uh, yes. Okay, let me see here. One person said, see, I got some people that are hating on Rick Scott. One person said, I would never vote for Rick Scott. Another person said, anyone but Scott. Do we have any other possibility? Yeah, I gave you all the other possibilities of those who look like they're going to run or are already in the race. I don't see anybody else who's going to give uh, Bill Nelson the kind of a run that Rick Scott could do. I, at, at this point in time, if we're talking about getting the Senate seat away from the Democrats, I still think Rick Scott's the best bet. Yeah, I got another person who says, I don't think we could afford to have Rick Scott as a senator. We already have the liberal Bill Nelson who wants to spend money that we don't have. Um, Rick Scott's last budget, you look at that kind of point we were just making, is just like Bill Nelson, he's saying. Let's go to the phone. Scott and Apopka on Senator Scott. How does that set with you? Yeah, I think Rick Scott's tied into big medical and pharmaceutical since he's been in that business. And when he was trying to pass that drug testing of the welfare victims, um, the company that was doing the drug testing was his wife's company. And so that whole thing got thrown out. And Rick Scott has been very good on immigration. Thank you, bud. So who do you want to run against Bill Nelson? Silence. Hung up on a bud man. Loyal listener Scott. That was the question I wanted the answer to. I'm sure we'll be talking more about this as our first look at the prospect of Senator Rick Scott. Um, Remember Roberts alongside me right now as we tie into the very big story of the morning. Just an awful story that broke over the weekend. Deb? Yeah, investigators are working today to identify the victims who died in a human smuggling operation in Texas. At least nine people died after being kept in a sweltering trailer of an 18-wheeler in San Antonio over the weekend. Around 30 others in the trailer were taken to area hospitals where some are in critical condition. A 60-year-old Clearwater man is in custody. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A Wisconsin company, Bud, is offering to put microchip implants into employees. Takes your uh, key fob to the door to a whole new level. Yeah, I said it sounds like it hurts when you start talking about microchips. Not really. I'm, no. I'm more worried about the, you know, personal security and, and privacy well, aspect. Well, yes, there's but that too. Three Square Market says more than 50 employees are signed on for the voluntary program that starts this month. They'll have a device the size of a grain of rice implanted between the thumb and index finger. 
The company makes software for office break room machines and says that microchip can be used to buy snacks in the break room, open doors, or log on to computers. The devices work when held up next to a compatible device and cost about $300 each, but the company assures their employees there is no GPS tracking in them whatsoever. Yeah, right. Uh-huh, sure. <laughs> Track you down like yeah. a dog anywhere <laughs> you are on Saturday afternoon oh, yeah. or on vacation. Yeah, or good no. luck calling in sick. Yeah. Because you better be home sick or at the doctor's office. I think the greatest pain that would be inflicted here goes far beyond what it feels like to get that thing stuck in between your index finger and thumb. And just think, you know, like when your computer fails at work, just imagine you wave to a bunch of people at work. The next thing you know, you've just bought, you know, 10 bags of Doritos from the <laughs> snack machine and logged on to the boss's computer. <laughs> this is fraught nice. with all kinds of peril. <laughs> What's really interesting about this, though, is I think this is the way... If we do eventually get chips implanted in us, oh, this is the this way is the, the way because they're doing it based on convenience. Oh yeah, and people love the idea of e- making things easy, making things convenient, and that's how they get. It. It's just like the you know the, all the home helpers, the you know Alexa at yep. your home. They say that's just greasing the wheels for us getting ready for the day that we have robots in our home because all of those home appliances are connected to the internet, so you're conversations could be recorded and shared details about your home could be you know shared well i mean we talked about how uh alexa recorded a murder yeah and they wanted to use the audio or whatever from it yeah there's been a couple of cases where murders were captured yeah it's just one more You, you get convenience but what do you have to give up in the process to get it that's the question right i couldn't agree with you more no circumstance yaffe under which you'd buy into something like that not from my employer. No. I think that's where I draw the line. When yeah. your boss is the one implanting it, that's yeah, it's a little much for me. You know, and I'll bet you they're not going to uh, disclose the fact that there's a taser setting on that implant. If you're late to work <laughs> yeah. or you're hanging out in the break room too long, the boss just hits a little buzzer. And yeah. Right. Yeah. And if they implant that thing without anesthesia, what does that say about where you stand with the company, yeah, exactly. right? <laughs> exactly. I love how Bud's more worried about the sting of getting the implant than being monitored. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got something for the bud man. I'm sorry. I'm into pain avoidance here. Is there anything wrong with that? Well, you're not really because you're at work on a Monday. That's true. That is a little bit painful sometimes. And because the week is starting off today, it is, of course, National Tequila Day. The drink is named after the small town of Tequila in Jalisco, Mexico. It's been around under one name or another since the time of the conquistadors. And if you're looking for someone to share a drink with today and Bud's not available, keep in mind it's also (laughs) National Cousins Day. Enjoy. How about that? Yeah. No microchipping for us. No. And I still can't do tequila with a worm in the bottle of the yeah, no. Bottle either. Yeah, no. Although that's the way you're supposed to buy it. I know. Yeah. It's also supposed to be a sipping drink. It's not supposed to be. In Mexico, they do not do shots of tequila like we do here. Really? It's considered an after-dinner sipping drink. I didn't know that. Yes. Meister, <laughs> you're a treasure trove of useless information. I have useless no. information. And, and some really good stuff, too. Why don't you come I back try. with that at 8 o'clock, all uh, right? Uh, you got it. All righty, we're about to play the sound judgment game today and make somebody a happy winner and not just one prize, but two if you're lucky. 
And Michael, let's talk about what's in that prize closet this morning. Let's do that. Today, our winner is getting a hardback copy of Come Sundown by New York Times bestselling author Nora Roberts. With its take no guff heroine, Come Sundown is a quintessential Roberts novel that'll capture you with its spine tingling suspense. But you'll also be qualified to win our grand prize, a $175 Cavenders gift card. A distinguished leader in the Western wear industry, Cavenders carries a full line of men's, women's, and children's Western apparel. With handcrafted Western boots, don't just wear it, live it. Visit Cavenders.com today. Good stuff, Michael. Thank you very much. We are ready to play for the prizes. Are you ready to go? 407-916-5400. All the lines are full. However, if somebody gets a wrong answer, that's the line that is immediately open for you to win. 407-916-5400. Let's play Sound Judgment. Now, this has been on the news this morning. If you've been listening closely, uh, this is a slam dunk for you here, even though it's a sad story. One day after celebrating his birthday, Snooty, the oldest known manatee in captivity, has died in a tragic accident at the South Florida Museum over in Bradenton. I want you to listen to some sound about Snooty and then use your sound judgment to tell me how old Snooty the manatee was. He was definitely certified as the oldest manatee in captivity. And as far as any records we have on manatees in the wild, living or that have passed away, we believe him to be the oldest on record anywhere. Snooty the manatee is gone. How old was Snooty? Line one, go ahead. 20 million. No, uh, not quite as old as that, but thank you for trying. Nice effort. Very close. 407-916-5400. Line two, how old was Snooty the Manatee? Let's try 60. No, but you're in the ballpark a little older than 60. 407-916-5400. Grab the open line. You can be our prize winner. Line three on sound judgment. How old was Snooty? 69. 69 years old. And he will be missed. Everybody loves Snooty. He always interacted with people, and, and, and he was very special, and it's sad to see him go. But uh, you're rewarded for being an astute listener, and uh, congratulations for winning Sound Judgment today. Thank you. And what's your name, please? Uh, Jeff. Jock? Jeff. How do I spell it? J-E-F-F. J-E-F-F. Doesn't sound like Jeff over here. Jeff. Oh. Yes. I got it. Okay. All right. Okay. There we go. Get my ears cleaned out, and we'll be okay. Uh, Jeff, don't go away, buddy. I'm going to put you on hold with Michael to make the arrangements, okay? Thank you much. There we go, and thank you for being um, part of our show, calling in, playing the game, and winning just like that. Yep, Snooty was 69, got trapped in some kind of a, um, a passageway underwater that should have been closed or something. And uh, what, a, what a sad thing that is. Everybody loves Snooty. You folks who were over in the Bradenton area and uh, – and folks who came from everywhere will really miss the amazing manatee who was the oldest ever known at age 69 when he died tragically over the weekend. Good morning, Orlando. The Monday edition rolling on from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. A full hour to go, and we're turning the show over to you on the 50,000-watt front porch. I don't know who else does this. Um, where we just go a solid hour with your take on any topic, and I will keep an open mind, okay? I only do that because I know I'm tapping into the collective wisdom of the smartest audience in talk radio. I know you've got something on your mind. A lot of you just sit there silently and you never call, and that's the way it is in talk radio. 
I don't spend all of my time when I'm listening to talk radio, calling talk radio. But if you've got something that you feel needs to be said, whether I've talked about it or not, whether you agree with me or not, this is your opportunity. And I want to invite you to call me in the next hour. And I particularly want the first timers. Get your feet wet here. I'm not going to argue with you. It's your take on whatever topic you want, and I will keep an open mind. That's why we call it what I named it, Open Mind Monday, so many years ago. My favorite hour of the show, and I'd love you to be a part of it. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Yaffe, earlier, I was railing on this lousy World War II epic Dunkirk that is so overhyped, went to see it. Over the weekend, thought it was really weak, you know, all about, uh, you know, the the effort to evacuate hundreds of thousands of Brits who were trapped by the Nazis. But the movie doesn't explain who the enemy is, what really went on here, and doesn't portray it on nearly the scale I think it deserves. Uh, The only thing I felt good about was when I successfully evacuated the theater two hours later. But we got a caller from somebody who says there is an earlier Dunkirk movie out there worth seeing, right? Yeah, well, as a texter, and yes, he says there was one. Let's see. Let me get the date right here. Well, 19, 50s. Nine, yeah, 1958, called Dunkirk with John Mills. Yeah, all right. Famous actor. By um, the way, I have um, I have had some people, a couple people, actually say they really liked the movie, disagree with you. Well, good. I, then I want you on Open Mind Monday, those of you who are fired up about Dunkirk, call and tell me what it is I missed. I go to movies wanting to love them. I'm not one of these people who's just inherently a critic when I go to movies. I don't go to a movie unless I expect a great experience. So I told you what I thought because I thought this movie is hyped beyond all belief for what it delivered. Okay? 407-916-5400, text line 23680. That's fodder for your comments on Dunkirk. So lots more we can talk about as well. Good morning, Orlando. Great to have you with us here on WFLA at 8 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a Florida man faces charges in a human smuggling tragedy. And a Houston man wins the Papa Hemingway Lookalike Contest. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And my question to you this hour what's on your mind this Monday morning? Call me, tell me. It's Open Mind Monday, 407 407- 916-5400, text line 23680. That's next. You're next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Monday morning. It's 804 on News Radio 1025. A truck driver from Clearwater is facing federal and state charges in San Antonio, Texas. Police say 60-year-old James Bradley Jr. was hauling a tractor trailer used for human smuggling with no air conditioning. Nine people died, including two children, and about 30 others are being treated at area hospitals. San Antonio Fire Chief Charles Hood says many of the survivors were near death. Our paramedics and firefighters found that each one of them had heart rates over about 130 uh, beats per minute, which uh, again, they were very hot to the touch. They were discovered in a Walmart parking lot when a desperate man begged an employee for water. That employee called 911. About half the survivors are in critical condition. Authorities are still trying to determine the nationalities of everyone found inside the truck, but the Mexican government said yesterday that some of its citizens are among the survivors and the dead. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Anybody who listens to me knows I am vehemently against illegal immigration, but nobody, no human being 
should be put in a situation like that. And and I, I just can't even imagine what it's like to be a part of yeah. um, a ring like that. Exactly. And we got this guy out of Clearwater, out they of say, Clearwater. was the driver. Yeah, it was the driver. Just yeah. left the the trailer in a Walmart parking lot, you know. how They say there could have been up to 100 people in the back of that tractor trailer. And, you know, part of being against illegal immigration is against these kinds of operations like this. Well, that's absolutely right. And triple-digit temperatures there. Yeah. I mean, what an, what an absolute nightmare. What a horrible tragedy. It, it is. And we'll keep you uh, updated on this because it's more details are expected to come out. You bet. Back here in Florida, a group of Central Florida teenagers may face charges, after all, for recording the dying moments of a disabled man while mocking and cursing him. The incident happened last week as Jamel Dunn was drowning in a pond in Cocoa. Investigators say Dunn repeatedly called out for help, but the five teenagers did nothing to assist him. Coco Police Chief Michael Cantaloupe said Friday he will recommend the state attorney general file uh, charges against the five boys ages 14 to 16 with failing to report a death, which is a misdemeanor here in Florida. Video posted on social media showed the man drowning while the teens could be heard laughing. I hope State Attorney Phil Archer does file those charges. First degree misdemeanor is not a light charge. You can get, um, I was reading just to make sure I was right on this, um, a year in jail, a $1,000 fine might do just what these kids need. Yeah, exactly. And it'll put them in the system. And if they're not already there, that's not a place they want to be at the tender age of 14 or 16. Well, a penalty's got to be paid for what they did here. Absolutely, absolutely. Today's the day the White House senior advisor and Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, is scheduled to appear in a closed hearing of the Senate Intelligence Committee today. The committee is investigating Russia's interference in the presidential election. The probe includes allegations of links between Moscow and the Trump campaign. Kushner issued a statement this morning insisting he had no further contacts with Russian officials or their intermediaries beyond what's already been made public and is blaming an aide for a faulty security clearance questionnaire. Meanwhile, Americans appear to be split right down the middle on whether President Trump should be impeached. A USA Today iMedia ethics poll out today finds 42 percent of people surveyed say Trump should be impeached and 42 percent say he should not. By the way, there is no serious impeachment effort currently underway in Congress. And finally, a Texan has won this year's Papa Hemingway Lookalike Contest in Key West over the weekend. 71-year-old retired realtor and seven-time competitor Richard Phillip of Houston triumphed over 152 other contestants at Sloppy Joe's Bar. With Ernest Hemingway, I feel like he's my brother from another mother. I uh, fish a lot, I hunt a lot, I drink a lot, <laughs> then I drink a little more, and then I drink a little more. <laughs> Philip also shares Hemingway's enjoyment of boating, even piloting a replica of the author's beloved fishing boat, Pilar, on a three-day cruise from Miami to Key West with supporters before the contest, which is a highlight of the annual Hemingway Day celebration that ended Sunday, as you mentioned, Bud, in the Conk Republic. Right, a great, great tradition right down at the absolute south end of Florida. It really is. WFLA News Time 808. Read about a man suing after being denied a $5 million lottery payday. I would sue, too, at 1025WFLA.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. From the front gate realty studio, visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com. Deb will be back with news at the bottom of the hour whenever it breaks. 
Yaffe's producing, Michael is screening, and it's your show till 9 o'clock. Sound off on the topic of your choice, whether I've talked about it or not, whether we agree or not on something I have discussed with you. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Do you share my enthusiasm for the new White House Communications Director, Anthony Scar or Mooch, Scaramucci? I really like what I see with this guy. I do. He's tough as nails. And um, what about Dunkirk? Did you see the movie? I thought it was awful, the World War II epic. And it was just bad, I thought. And um, some people are raving about it. And we, I, I reviewed it earlier in the show, which I don't normally do. And some folks have been texting saying they really liked it. Well, call me. Text me. 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. What about that poll that Deb just brought us? That's breaking news. 42-42 on impeachment? Does anybody look at the Constitution? What's an impeachable offense? Treason? Bribery? Other high crimes and misdemeanors? What in the world is this president guilty of that has anything at all to do with impeachment? 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Lots of things we can talk about. And maybe you got something brand new to bring onto the 50,000-watt front porch. Now's your chance. That in Orlando's news, weather and traffic in only two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I got to tell you, I celebrate the part of the new panhandling laws that they are on all likelihood going to pass today, the Orlando City Council, making it illegal to collect money at red lights. This has got to be stopped everywhere. And not just because it's awkward and uncomfortable for the people who are sitting in traffic when somebody comes by you with the hangdog look that may or may not be legitimate and the sign that may or may not be legitimate. Some are, some are not. But it's flat-out dangerous having people walking up narrow strips between opposing directions of traffic at major intersections or walking between cars, this kind of thing. That's got to be stopped. That's one thing I like about what I'm seeing in the new Orlando panhandling rules. What about you on that score? Does that bother you at red lights? Would you celebrate that becoming illegal? 407-916-5400. Text line is open at 23680, and now it's time for Open Mind Monday. First on the phones from Longwood, our old friend Bob. Welcome to Open Mind Monday. You're on with a Bud Man, Bob. Oh, thank you, Bud. Yeah, with all these shootings down in Orlando, you know, you see, I get sick and tired of it, you know. And and, and uh, Sheriff Demings was running for mayor. He can't even clean this mess up now. You know, I, I can't understand it. I mean, uh, Orlando's such a beautiful place and, you know, downtown and everything like that, and I just can't believe what's going on. So what? what's the solution? I don't – solution, I don't know. You know, I'll put it this way, it's – as far as I look at it, if people are carrying guns down there, they're getting into, into these bars with these guns. And I think they should be checking more of these bars out where people try to come in with guns and stuff like that, you know. And uh, it's just, you know, it, it's not it's not the way it used to be. You probably know that, too. What about, uh, well, what, what, listen, it's Open Mind Monday. It's your turn. What about the politics of this with Sheriff Jerry Demings? running for uh, Orange County mayor to replace uh, Teresa Jacobs, whose term limited out. You would not give him your vote if you had a vote no, in Orlando? I give, no, I would not give him my vote. In Orange uh, County? There's so, many, so, so much killing is going on down there. It's unbelievable. I want to thank you, bud. All right. Thank you, Bob, very much. Let's go. 407-916-5400. got another caller on better border security. Wendell, stay, sit tight. We're going to get to you in a moment. But I want to go to the text line, Yaffe. you got some incoming at 23680 with folks sounding off on the topic of their choice on Open Mind Monday. 
Yes, and one thing people are sounding off on is what happened at the Walmart over the weekend where the illegal immigrants were in that trailer and, and they died because it was Down so in Texas, hot. Yeah, Florida man, the, the, the driver yeah. apparently. Uh, yeah, uh, one person says, I would all, like to also say that the man who smuggled those immigrants in that tractor trailer at Walmart should have extra charges brought against him as a result of not only smuggling the immigrants, but placing their lives in danger, even killing them. Yeah, and I think that those charges um, will be will be forth forthcoming. There are those who will also tell you, well, wait a minute, you know, in all likelihood, nobody forced these illegals into the truck. They wanted passage illegally into the United States. So sympathy, maybe not so much. You hear that a lot, Mike. You yeah, hear that a lot. Well, actually, I had a texter who said the same, pretty much the same thing, actually. No one forced these people to do this. Ted's got a take on uh, the new panhandling rules about to come down here in Orlando. You've heard what I have to say about it, but hey, Open Mind Monday on Monday from 8 till 9. It's not about me. It's all about what you think. Open Mind Monday. Whatever the topic, give me a call. 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Jaffrey producing in the control room. Michael is screening. Deb's getting your 830 news ready. And Wendell is on the Open Mind Monday line. Welcome from Orlando. Wendell, what's on your mind? Hey, good morning, Bugman. Uh, great to speak with you this morning. Well, good to have you on the 50,000-watt front porch. Sounds like you're on the road. Yes, I am, actually. Uh, listening to you and enjoying your show every time. Thank you for that. Hey, uh, my heart's broken for these men, women, and children that passed away down there in Texas. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a sad situation. Uh, but you and I and a lot of other people fully understand if we had border security in place, those people would be alive today. If you and had a wall, to- there would be no truck coming across the border with illegal aliens who would go to their deaths in that overheated truck. Right. Not just the wall, but border security improved everything. The wall, yep. the uh, the security, everything needs to be improved. Yep. And. We all, we also know that the uh, uh, that this is just what the media picked up. There's have been tens and thousands of other people that have passed away coming across that border, I, and it, the Democrats always look the other way. They never bring that up because they're potential voters and potential recipients. And I yep. bet dollars to donuts someday. We'll find out that the community organizers have been down in Mexico and Central America telling these poor souls how to come to America, and it's time that we hold these people accountable, bud. Good call on Open Mind Monday, Wendell. I thank you for it. Here is Ted in Winter Springs on the new Orlando panhandling rules. Among other things, uh, if it goes through the way we think today, um, it will uh, make it illegal to collect money at red lights, which I wholeheartedly support for a couple of reasons. Go ahead, Ted. Good morning to you. Good morning, Bud. How are you? Outstanding, and I feel particularly good because you're on the show. Absolutely. I've known you a long time, and I've listened to you a long time, and I really appreciate your voice of reason and and centeredness. Thank you. Uh, On the the panhandling deal, I work in Waterford Lakes, and we have uh, a particular uh, entrance that, that backs up cars for quite a while. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. <laughs> yeah, or it's right by the Home Depot there, and, yeah. and all of the all of the, the the police have come out and they've they've 
they've handcuffed these people and everything else. And uh, as a Christian, I'm trying not to judge people, but what really what really irks me is that they're there every single day. New clothes, bicycles, uh, they have items. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming that they have the ability to probably hold a job down, but as one of them told us, they can make a lot more money doing what they're doing and they don't pay taxes or anything. So I'm yeah. all for the panhandling thing because it does make it a very – it makes it a very uncomfortable situation if you're in the car. But at the same time, for those people who truly need the help, they're diluting the, uh, the, uh, the sanctity, and they're diluting the compassion of most people. And they're going to end up starting to – everybody's going to be hurt. So I hope that, that in addition to the panhandling laws, that, that uh, the city also does something to help these folks, maybe with better job um, – uh, placement, yeah. or or some other means where they can still um, attain some sense of, uh, uh, well, nah, no, I understand whatever, where you're but, coming from, Ted. Yeah. Thank you. I got to hit a news break here, but I gave you your say, and there's an awful lot of wisdom in what you say. You had a presentation that would have been very similar to how I would have handled that. Nicely done on Open Mind Monday. Paul, Bertha, and the rest on the phones, and we'll recheck that incoming on the text line with Yaffe here in a moment. Open Mind Monday rolls on. All kinds of things breaking loose here as the smartest audience in talk radio sounds off. Steps alongside me now to update us on the news, and we had a great call related to that terrible tragedy with the Florida Connection about all of those illegals who were locked up in that overheated truck and died in Texas. And for folks who were not fully connected to the story, uh, you can help them in that regard right now, Deb. Yes, thank you, Bud. The work of identifying those killed in a human smuggling operation continues today in Texas. At least nine people lost their lives after being kept in a sweltering trailer of an 18-wheeler in San Antonio over the weekend, including two children. Ray Saldana is a San Antonio City Council member. I think about the situation as a policymaker is that how could this have been prevented? And frankly, there is just not a lot of tools in the toolbox for local officials and SA and, and police departments to come up with solutions to that. And, and it, it's heartbreaking. 60-year-old James Bradley Jr. of Clearwater is in federal custody in San Antonio. A vigil was held for the victims at a local church last night. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Back in the Sunshine State, the South Florida Museum in Bradenton threw a party for Snooty, the manatee's 69th birthday Saturday. But a day later, the oldest manatee in captivity died. Museum Chief Operating Officer Jeff Rogers says Snooty got trapped in a hatchway that allowed access to plumbing. He see, it appears that he was not able to turn himself back around to get himself out of the situation. And Rogers says it's been an emotional time. We were giving out a lot of hugs on the front porch of the museum today as people were coming in. Uh, a lot of people loved that manatee. We loved him too. The museum is planning a public event to commemorate Snooty, who spent 68 years of his, uh, of his years at the museum. And interacted with humans in a way they say they've never seen any manatee or very few other creatures do. People, as was said, just loved this one. And he didn't die of old age. It no. was this terrible accident. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and they just celebrated his birthday. No, no saying how much older he could have lived to be. Breaks your heart. Yeah. Both the sea and the air can be blamed for ruining a day at the beach. About 60 people suffered minor injuries on Volusia County beaches uh, Saturday after getting stung by jellyfish. In addition, more than 25 people had to be rescued from rip currents. Oh, yeah, and the beaches were also closed for a time after thunderstorms swept through. 
Speaking of the beach, an alligator has been captured off the coast of Miami Beach. What? Yes, Miami Beach police and the FWC caught the six-foot lizard that was in distress yesterday at the South Point Pier on the southern end of South Beach. No one was hurt and the animal was relocated. Of course, it's very rare to find an alligator in salt water, and they think this this particular gator just lost his way. Oh, man. Ended up <laughs> swimming along South Beach. Yeah. A woman who was bit by a shark in the Florida Keys is recovering in a Miami hospital. The U.S. Coast Guard and Monroe County Sheriff's Office said the 40-year-old was attacked in the foot Saturday while swimming in Florida Bay at Snipe Key. She was taken by helicopter to the mainland in good condition. Meanwhile, as fast as he is, Olympic superstar Michael Phelps is not as fast as a shark. Phelps came in second last night as part of the Discovery Channel's Shark Week programming. Phelps swam 100 meters off the coast of South Africa in 38.1 seconds. The shark recorded a time of 36.1 after giving Phelps a little bit of a lead. Phelps wasn't actually in the water with the shark, which has upset a lot of people on social media today, bud. People are furious. Apparently they went 57 minutes out of a one-hour, 60-minute show before they revealed what you just said. Yeah, that he was not going to be in the water with Great White. It, the shark speed was calculated by staffers that then used CGI to simulate a shark swimming in the water along with Phelps, who's already tweeted he's ready for a rematch. You know, the Discovery Channel should be better than that. People shouldn't be snookered like that. I know. I know. And just like, you know, Phelps may be ready for a rematch, but I don't think the world is ready for a rematch. We'll have to see the ratings. <laughs> if they get numbers, there'll be one. I yeah, promise you exactly. that. If there is one, I'll bet you next time with all the backlash, they will be putting Michael Phelps in the water with the shark. Well, that may be the deal breaker. <laughs> exactly. If, smell, if, if Phelps has half a brain, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Thank you, Deb. You got it. You can get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando on Open Mind Monday continues now. Yeah, you're calling any topic. Where are you? 407-916-5400. I got some great callers we will be hearing from, and you can join them. And the text line always open. Uh, Yaffe will refresh that and check the incoming in a moment at 23680. Yaffe, I haven't checked the Open Mind Monday text line. What do you see coming in uh, beyond what we reported earlier? Yes, bud. Uh, We talked earlier about Rick Scott and how Rick Scott... May um, may, run, may for run for Senate. Yeah. And whether he could beat Bill Nelson. Nelson. Right. Uh, one person said, we'll not vote for Rick Scott because he endorses express toll lanes on our highways. Oh, okay. I think Bill Nelson did too, though, if I'm not. I'm oh, not 100% yeah. on that, but I don't across remember. Party lines. I don't remember too much from uh, Rick Scott on that, but hey, it's Open Mind Monday. That's all right. Go ahead. Yes, another person says, there is an issue with voter registration. I think we talked about this on the show before, actually. This guy's just very passionate about it. He says, the fact that you can download our names and addresses, date of birth, and other information off the state's website is a huge privacy concern that needs to be stopped. Yep, I think we have had that I call. think he. I think it's the same person texted. So we, we got it out there. That's good. We like that. Let's go to Bertha on the phone line and Open Mind Monday. Welcome in from Volusia County. Bertha, what's on your mind this morning? Good morning, bud. Um, In reference to the call about Chief uh, Dennis, he does not work in Tallahassee. You need to put the blame on Tallahassee. When they were making all these stand-your-ground laws, they should have made a minimum law that if you're caught with an illegal gun, you go to jail at least five years, okay? We know there's a relationship between crime and high drug use, and Orlando has a high drug use. 
All right, that's Open Mind Monday from Bertha, and we thank you for your take on the topic of your choice. To Lake Nona we go now, and on the 50,000-watt front porch, Paul, good morning. You're on with the Bud Man. What's on your mind, buddy? Good morning, Bud. I uh, wanted to comment on this thing in, in Texas with these illegal aliens. Yeah, in the truck. Mm-hmm. Dead. Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, there's no such thing as an illegal immigrant or an undocumented immigrant. The word immigrant means legal with papers. They are illegal aliens or alien invaders. They broke the law. However, I have great sympathy for them. But I think the blame lies with all the politicians, Democrat and Republican, who do not want to enforce immigration. And even the Pope encouraging this kind of activity. And, you know, this is what you're going to get. Also, this outrage against the president, they're not they're outraged against the rule of law because he's just enforcing the law. This has to stop. The American people have to realize these politicians work for us. We don't work for them. Great call. Yep. Thank you, Paul. Great call. Don't think I could have said most of that better myself. Open Mind Monday. You're the host of the show for the duration of your phone call. Don't miss the opportunity. Got one more segment in this edition of Open Mind Monday, uh, 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Howard's got something he wants to sound off on in the administration, um, uh, the investigation into the Trump administration, probably something to do with the Russians. Uh, I'll find out along with you here in a moment. Um, do you support the new Orlando um, panhandling uh, laws, which are apparently going to be voted in today? Among other things, it will make it illegal to panhandle for money when people are stopped at red lights. I am all over that for reasons I cited. What about Senator Rick Scott? Is he the one to take down Bill Nelson and claim another Senate seat for the Republicans, too, here in Florida? Would you vote for Rick Scott? Is there someone else you think would be a stronger candidate for Senate? 407 916 5400. And what about those punk teenagers out in Cocoa now that it looks like we may be able to charge them with something? I am celebrating that in the midst of that horrible tragedy this morning. And our final burst of calls and texts on Open Mind Monday. Howard, you're on with the Bud Man. Good morning, Howard from Orlando. What's on your mind? Yes, good morning, Bud. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Yes, um, I wanted to address this thing uh, because I don't think that you guys are addressing it the way it needs to be. From what I gather, it's that over the past seven years, the Obama administration has been surveilling and doing illegal activities, intelligence and Republicans. And they've been shunting all this information wholesale to the DNC and Hillary Clinton. And the Russians got all of the information and hacked into the, their computers and have this scoop and then the dirt to use on Hillary if she had won the election. So what is happening now is that the Obama held over from the DOJ and the FBI and so on are using the hearings, these getting up these phony hearings to give these people immunities. So right, yeah, and, and I agree with you. What, you. what you're talking about is the deep state, the people who go from one administration to another, and those who are held over from the Obama regime and are ideologically liberal like he was, and many of them were appointed by him and his people here trying to do in the Trump administration. Yes, but you, you see, one of the things also, but is that they're using the hearings, the, these phone hearings, yeah. 
to give these people immunity. That way it makes it impossible then for them to be prosecuted after. And that is what's going on. So what do we do about this? Right. Well, he's got to fire Rosenberg, shut the investigation down, and he's got to investigate and prosecute James Comey, Robert Mueller, Rosenberg for corruption. Are you talking about Rob Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general? All right. I just want to make sure we're talking about the right guy. Rosen, sorry, I got it. That's all right, Howard, and I think I get your gist. Thank you, Howard. On the text line, Yaffe, what's coming? Uh, yes, bud. One person was has a comment on the panhandlers. Says, "I have been a roofless. I have been roofless over the over two years. So yeah. I'm guessing it's kind of like he's homeless. Uh, I see and have talked with many. Oh, I of, thought you said ruthless. You mean roofless? No roof yes, over the roofless. head. Roofless. Yeah. All right. I thought you had like a you know a speech impediment going there, and you were trying to no, say roofless. No, no, no. I have been roofless okay. over two years. <laughs> what right. this texture says, he can." Afford a cell phone, but doesn't have a house, I guess. Uh, I see and have talked with many of these panhandlers. They use the money collected for drinks and drugs. They fight over their spots. He puts that in quotes. He says, I've even heard conversations on the best wording, size, and type of cardboard to use. Cereal box with God bless is the winner, by the way, he says. Well, you know, there are some people who use this as a racket, and and it's a cruel deception. I think there are some people who are out there right at the end of their rope and, uh, and and are desperate for any way to get enough money to get through the day. It's very hard to sort them out, you yeah. know, hard to vet them, you know, kind of like we see with, uh, you know, with 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 uh, terrorists from overseas. And I'm not equating panhandlers with terrorists in any way, shape, or form. But it's flat out obnoxious and annoying and dangerous to stand on a narrow strip at red lights and, and try to shake people down for money. And I hope that they actually pass a prohibition on that today. The Orlando City Council will be checking on it, and I think we may well be talking about it tomorrow Now, what morning. do you think of the firefighters that have the boots? Are you against them, too? I don't want anyone out there in a red-light situation. There's other ways to raise money. Yeah, I, I think Especially it's nowadays. dangerous and it's uncomfortable. Um, and, I mean, you know, and I, and I see teenagers out there for one cause or another, churches and carrying buckets around or whatever. You know, we're going to get people killed. I'm surprised we haven't already. Um, yeah, so I'm... I, I'm a big fan of, of them trying to make that illegal and see whether or not they can change behavior. Um, so there we go. Hey, the Central Florida golf card is back. 18 holes of play, cart included, from now until the 30th of September at 10 premier golf courses in Central Florida for the amazing total price of just 99 bucks. This is the most amazing golf value out there. You'll play courses like the Rio Pinar Golf Club, Mayfair Country Club, Harmony Golf Preserve, and many, many more limited number of these cards so they are gone when they are gone and that'll be it get yours now at centralfloridagolfcard.com that'll do it for the front gate realty studio this uh, monday edition of good morning orlando visit laurahasthebuyers.com been great being with you here we're already working on the show the president's got a big comment he's going to make today supposedly at 315 on health care we'll be watching for that And we'll be talking about the hottest topics, local, national, whatever, and keeping you company tomorrow morning from 6 until 9. Thanks for being with us. For uh, Deb and Yaffe and Michael, the Bud Man, thanks, God bless you, and God bless America.